great and glorious God in heaven, we want to lift you. to us, uh, shown supremely in your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that uh, in your great mercy, you've seen our greatest need. We have many needs, Father, but thank you, Lord, that you saw our greatest need was for a Savior. So we praise you, Father, for our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, he's the same yesterday and today and forever. And Lord, our need this morning is to catch a glimpse of him, a fresh glimpse of him, his glory and his kindness to us. Grant us into your presence, we pray. Holy Spirit, come, magnify Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, as we lift up our hearts and voices in song, as we open your word, as we hear your word preached, in all of these things, Father in heaven, may you get honor and glory, may you be pleased with our gathering today, and may we be transformed, because all of these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's turn to uh, 120. In our reading, we're reminded of uh, Paul not being ashamed of the gospel, and uh, in this great hymn, uh, we're reminded of the greatness. Great is the gospel of our glorious God, where mercy met the anger of God's wrath. Penalty was paid and pardon bought, and sinners last, lost at last was him who bore. Oh, let the praises of my heart be thine, for Christ has died. 
Luke and chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, and we'll start reading from verse 24. Luke chapter 22, and verse 24. And the context here is uh, the Lord drawing near to the cross. Calvary is approaching. Uh, things are tense. And, uh, well, let's pick it up at verse 24. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he, that is the Lord Jesus, he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief, as he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat? But I am among you, as he that serveth. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. And he said unto them, when I sent you without purse and scrip and shoes, lacked ye anything? And they said, Nothing. Then said he unto them, But now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his scrip. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you, that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, It is enough. Well, may God bless the reading of his word and give us understanding as we turn to that passage a little later. Let's turn to 640 in our books. Six four O. Beneath thy cross I lay me down and mourn 
to see thy thorny crown. Love drops in blood from every vein. Love is the spring of all thy pain. 640. Father, it is an easy thing for us just to come like this and speak words and direct them heavenwards. And uh, yet, Lord, we know that uh, unless there is a way into your presence, then we're just speaking into the air. 
and our words are going no higher than this ceiling. But our Father in heaven, we want to worship you because we know that we are being heard, that you are inclining your ear to hear our words and even the cries of our hearts and the sighs upon our hearts. We thank you, Lord, you are the all-knowing God. And we thank you that there is a way that our prayers can reach you and that you have a desire to hear us even. That's a wonder in itself. And all, Lord, because of what we've been singing about here, about the cross of our Lord Jesus, about the one who came to open up a new and living way into your presence. And Father, at times we admit that all these things seem a million miles from reality. We, we live in enemy territory, a world that's hostile towards you, a world that uh, just thinks of the now and uh, plans from the cradle to the grave. And at times, Lord, we're so caught up in this and our problems and trials, even our joys, can make all these things uh, seem like a fantasy. So we're praying, Lord, for your spirit to come and to grant us a spirit of prayer. Deliver us, Father, we pray, from simply going through the motions. Lord, how easy it would be just to come in here and uh, sing some songs, hear a sermon, and go home completely unchanged. So we're praying, Father in heaven, for cleansing, first of all, Lord, from all our sin. Lord, we're sinful men and women. That's what we are. That's who we are. And we deserve your wrath, your anger. We, we deserve, Lord, to have you uh, push us further away than we could ever imagine. We deserve hell. We deserve banishment. We, we have no uh, high thoughts of ourselves, Father, apart from your great grace towards us. But that is our great comfort, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And we would say with Paul, Lord, we're the worst. We know what we're really like, Lord. We put on our best show on Sundays. But we know what we're really like, the things we think, the things we say. And, and yet, despite all that, uh, wonder upon wonders, you delight in us. We, <laughs> we struggle, Lord, to understand that. And yet, uh, we thank you that you see us. We will put our trust in your Son, we thank you that you see us through him and in him. That you see us perfected. You see us washed and cleansed. You see the finished product. Even though, Lord, we're going through this process of sanctification and have so far to go, yet we want to rejoice, Lord, that you who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. Although we sigh over what we are and we groan, we, we pray, Lord, you deliver us from any false humility because we want to see what we really are in Christ, greatly beloved, seated in heavenly places with him. So, Father, we thank you that we are clothed in a righteousness not our own, that we are washed and cleansed, and as far as the, as the east is from the west, so far... Have you removed our transgressions from us? So we rejoice, Lord, and we want to have a spirit of rejoicing today.
We want to be in the Spirit on this day, as John was on Patmos. We, we want to see things, Lord, not as they seem to be, but as they really are from your perspective. And so, Father, we want to worship you. We want to praise you. We want to lift up our hearts with thanksgiving. We thank you for all the temporal blessings that you've bestowed upon us. We thank you for our homes. We thank you, Lord, for food, for clothing. We thank you, Lord, for comfort. Lord, we are rich compared to so many in the world today. We are, we are rich, we are wealthy. And uh, when, when some in our world today, Lord, are just scrabbling around for something to eat, Lord, you have blessed us abundantly, and so we would not be unthankful. We want to thank you, Father. We can say with the psalmist that the boundary lines for us have fallen in pleasant places. We live in a, in a lovely country, and with all the, the faults and all the uh, things that we can see plainly wrong with us, and yet, Lord, you've blessed us. you blessed this nation, Father, way beyond what we deserve. And, Lord, if we were to get what we deserve as a nation today, uh, we would be blotted out. But we thank you, Lord, you are patient, we thank you for your kindness to us as a nation. And, and so, Lord, we, we thank you for all those temporal blessings as individuals and as a country. And as these, as these British Isles, Lord, who uh, you have blessed so wonderfully over the years. We pray, Lord, for those who are in great need today, Father. We pray especially for our brothers and sisters uh, under great trial, uh, some suffering uh, physically, Lord, um, awful things being done. And, and yet, Lord, they rejoice. Thank you that uh, the, the greater the church is persecuted, the stronger she becomes. But we lift up the persecuted church to you. We think of those who live in fear in Afghanistan, fearing the knock on the door, unable to worship as we do today in freedom and in comfort. Pray for those in Pakistan on death row through some trumped-up blasphemy charge. Pray that you'll give them peace, Lord, a peace that passes all understanding. Will you come to them, we pray, and uh, even set them free, Father, even bring about their release, we pray. For those widows and orphans, Lord, who uh, are deprived of their uh, carer and, and protector and their provider, we pray that you, Lord, will be a father to the fatherless and a, a husband to the widow and provide for them in their great need. Thank you, Lord, that as we sing about the greatness of the gospel, that this is a gospel era and these are gospel days and all around the world today, at this very moment, the gospel has been preached and is being preached and will be preached, just depending on the time zone. But thank you, Lord, that every, every hour there'll be uh, the gospel preached in, in our world and there'll be fruit. There'll be people coming from darkness to light and we thank you for that. Again, well, we do thank you, Lord, for your kindness to us. We, we've been thinking much um, of your goodness to us, Lord, uh, in giving us such a faithful monarch. And uh, Lord, how moving all the scenes have been these past days and... Uh, what uh, devotion she inspired, and uh, what duty, Lord, what, a, what an example. And, and yet we believe, Lord, she had a simple faith in you, 
And uh, Lord, she won't be standing before you as a queen, but uh, if she's in your presence, it will be as a, a redeemed sinner. And we give you thanks, Lord, for the example that she's been. And we pray for our king now. Uh, God save our king. That is our prayer. That you would come in salvation to him. He needs you, Father in heaven. Would you come to him, we pray. And uh, grant him that salvation so full and so free. And Lord, here we are uh, again in, in a lovely part of the country. We pray for ourselves as we gather here. Each Lord of us has our needs. And, uh, and you know what they are, Father in heaven. Uh, some in need just of a word of comfort. Some downcast, Lord, need lifting up. Others in need of uh, physical healing, a touch from yourself, and we would lift them before you today. Some, Lord, uh, perhaps at their wit's end, Lord, you know. Um, again, Lord, as I say, we put on our, our best front, but Lord, sometimes we can be in desperate need. And so we just commend ourselves to you today. You know us, Lord, and we pray you would meet us according to our need. Thank you for your word. Father, thank you that um, we have such riches in your holy word and uh, never will we exhaust your word. No matter how much we've heard sermons and uh, verses and, and read your word, still, Lord, you come by your spirit and shine light upon that word and make it live, and that's our prayer today. Here as we pray, Father, grant us a sense of your presence, we pray, and speak personally to us and give us grace not just to hear but to respond. Father, hear us because all of these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to sing again 574 in our books. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, you who unto Jesus for refuge have fled. 574.
words of our Lord Jesus. And he said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. I'm convinced there's um, no greater life than the Christian life. And at times we have our struggles. And uh, very unusual if you don't have a struggle, if you're a Christian. And, uh, and there is no greater life. With, with all the, uh, the things that might come to us because we're believers. And indeed, um, things are uh, peculiar trials to believers. If we've taken up our cross and following the Lord Jesus Christ, then we'll know uh, difficulties that uh, people who are not Christians um, will know. And, um, and yet there's no greater life. Um, lovely day today. I often think of the poor old atheist. Um, when he feels thankful, he's got no one to turn to and thank. Um, but we can wake up this morning. Well, thank you. Sunny today. Thank you. I've got a measure of health today. Thank you. I'm not scrambling around in the dust for some seeds to eat, to live on today. So, so much to be thankful for. And yet, having said that, there are certain times in our life where we know pressures that threaten to even break us. There are certain seasons in life, and that really is what we're going to have a look at this morning, certain seasons that we go through and we think, well, will I get through this? Uh, it was Robert Murray McShane, uh, one of my heroes, I must say, uh, the Scottish pastor, uh, pastor in Dundee, died at 29, godly young man. But he said, a believer is known not only by his peace and joy, but also by his warfare and distress. Now, peace and joy, yes please, <laughs> warfare and distress... Hmm, not so much. And yet, <laughs> if we're honest, um, that is the way it goes, isn't it? We know peace and joy at times, but also we have to say we know something of warfare and distress. So we're realists, that's what we're saying. We, we are realists here today. A Christian is a realist, and although we have tremendous things to look forward to in the life to come, especially, uh, yet... And there are particular times when we go through those times of distress. And today, that's what we're looking at, especially at that verse 31. That's what we're uh, going to use as, as, our, as our base, just to see that um, this is nothing new. Um, when we turn to the scriptures, we can see this is uh, the Christian experience that will come to all. But especially here, we're looking at Peter. Simon Peter, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Um, but there's a lovely but here. But I have prayed for you. Well, those are the verses. So a time of distress, but how God comforts us in those times of distress. So sifting, I guess that's the word. If we're going to look at one word, it is sifting. The believer being sifted. Um, so we're going to have a look at sifting's peril. 
siftings pain and siftings prayer in uh, this passage here. Siftings peril then, first of all. Um, This is a time of spiritual danger. Um, The the whole context here, uh, it it is a time of danger, um, a great heaviness, but spiritual danger for those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, When is the event? Well, as I said earlier, um, it's leading up to the cross. It's it's coming to the climax of the Lord's earthly ministry. And what a ministry that was. Uh, God incarnate comes into the world, his his, uh, peerless teaching, his his miracles, his uh, displays of authority in, in calming storms, in raising the dead, and yet he's heading for the cross. This is why he came, and yet the whole atmosphere here is one of tension, and it is a particular time of danger and darkness. If we look at verse 53, um, the Lord says, um, when I was with you, he's speaking to the disciples, when I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me. Sorry, these are the um, his enemies, the Pharisees. Um, but this is your hour. He's turning to his enemies now. This is your hour and the power of darkness. Notice that. Uh, in a sense, it's, uh, it's the enemy's time. It, it's a time of darkness. And uh, a darkness that indeed could be felt by followers of the Lord Jesus Christ here. So that's the context here. Um, all through the Lord's life, he's been anticipating this. Uh, imagine that all through those years. Uh, what did he understand uh, as, as a child? We don't know. There were silent years, aren't there? Where we're told little glimpses, we see the Lord appearing as a 12-year-old at the temple. Uh, we know he would as a carpenter. But was there a weight upon his heart? there's an anticipation that he's heading for the cross. Of course, that would have been increasingly aware. And certainly when he entered into those years of ministry, uh, he began to get focused. Three years of ministry, but now it's coming to the very climax of that ministry where he's going to die upon the cross for our sins. And it's a time of darkness, a time of tension for the disciples. And uh, we have to realize that, don't we? Um, That we're living in enemy territory, aren't we? This world is not our home. (laughs) We we feel increasingly that we're we're strangers, we're pilgrims in this. And indeed, doesn't it seem even darker? Um, Doesn't it seem to be that as as the weeks go by, it seems a darker and darker place? Um, God's laws have been thrown out. We're, even even the language has been changed. We we once thought we knew what marriage meant, but but even the word marriage has lost its meaning now. There was a time not so many years ago when you when you used the word marriage. Oh yes, a man and a woman. Yeah, we know what that is. But but when it comes to uh, gender sexuality, the language is being changed. Um, truth doesn't mean what it used to mean. So. You know, if you go to a foreign country, they, they use a different language and you feel, you're a stranger here. You know, I, I, I feel, and that's how we feel in Britain, isn't it, at the moment? 
a, a different language is being used. We feel increasingly we're strangers here. We don't belong here. The days are getting darker. We're feeling more uncomfortable. We're feeling, I don't belong here. So this is a time of darkness and the believers are uh, aware now that there is something strange happening. There, 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 there's a darkness that can be felt. And as I say, there are particular times, and this is what we're looking at now, there are particular times of stress and, and pressure, seasons of, of darkness. Now, when we look at that great um, epistle to the church, Ephesians, Paul draws to a close, doesn't he? The Apostle Paul draws to a close in chapter 6, speaking about our enemy. And he says, well, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So Paul is saying, wake up. Don't be surprised by this. You know, it, it, it's, it's par for the course. It is the enemy's territory we're living in. And there are particular seasons of darkness. Therefore, take up the full armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all things to stand firm. Seasons of pressure. They come to churches. There are particular seasons in the life of a church where it seems that there's a great darkness comes, great battles being fought. Um, do you know that? Have you felt that? You know, we, th- th- this, isn't, this isn't the Hailsham Conservative Club, is it? I don't think so, is it? Well, I don't think wrong with that, but, you know, but, but they won't have battles that you have here, you know. Um, the devil has an interest in what's going on here. Do you realise that? We don't think, oh, well, here we are, little fellowship of believers, we turn up, we're nice people. But sometimes all hell is let loose. This, this is light shining in the darkness. This is where the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached. There's something special going on. When you gather to meet, this is no ordinary gathering. This is where Jesus Christ is worshipped. If only you could get rid of that church. If only you can get rid of those believers. Hailsham would be a better place, wouldn't it? I don't think so. So you're a pain in the neck. You, 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 you're just a... If only we can get rid of those Christians, what, what nuisances they are. Now, people might not say that. But, but there's a struggle. There's, there's, there's wrestling going on here. And there are particular times where that's felt. Now, there are seasons of blessing, there are seasons of quiet, seasons of rest. God is so good. You know, it it isn't all pressure. But there are particular times when it seems like all hell is let loose against a local church. You know, I don't know. I don't know your situation here. But I've been in churches long enough to know that at times you're, you're, you're pressing against them or something is pressing against you and uh, certain circumstances are brought about, and there's a devilish feel about it. You, you know there's something uh, supernatural going on. There's, there's an awful tension and pressure and, and opposition that is uh, more than flesh and blood.
But then there, there are seasons of um, personal pressure, and this is more to the context here, really, when we look at Simon. There, there, there is a, 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 a peril here for him personally, uh, such as the, 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 the darkness, uh, and such is the pressure upon him that his very faith is at risk. Here is this man who thinks he's so strong. And yet the Lord is warning him, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. So maybe I can speak to you as an individual Christian and just ask, do you know those times when there's just something going on? And you can't, maybe, you, you wouldn't think, well, it's not the not the devil, it seems a bit dramatic, doesn't it? But there are certain times when, when, when there is a pressure on you as is demonic. A demonic, satanic pressure upon your faith. Temptations coming to you. Various ways. And at times we think we're so strong, and we see this in, in Peter so, so clearly, yet the, the, but the stronger saint at these times can feel as weak as a kitten. So Jesus is warning Peter here that, uh, and of course we know Peter was like, he was headstrong, wasn't he? We all have our weaknesses, we all have our Achilles heels. But Peter was headstrong, he was a, he was a strong man, and he, he's going to be a leader. But sometimes our, 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 our strengths can be our weaknesses, can't they? Peter was much too self-confident, much too uh, self-reliant, and, uh, and, and that will be his greatest uh, weakness. But actually, but, but, but it's wider than just Peter. This, uh, this is plural. The you here is plural. Satan has asked for you. So Satan would sift all the disciples, not just Peter at this time. They all would feel the darkness, they would all feel this peril, this time of danger. And so there's a warning to all of them, not just Peter, but of course it is Peter who is the one who's going to uh, get into trouble through his uh, uh, overconfidence. So that's um, Sifting's peril then. Particular times of danger in the church and also for us as individuals. So, do you recognize them? <laughs> That's the question. Uh, are we alert? Uh, are we on our guard? Because that's the problem at times, because we, we're caught off guard by this. It happens to something else, uh, to someone else, or to another church, but, but are you aware that this could happen to you? If it's not happened yet, then it might well do. But they're siftings pain them, we see next here. Because the Lord reminds them that they have a very vicious enemy and uh, you, 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 you would think that um, the devil will be a little kinder maybe perhaps on older people or kids or something you know but <laughs> there, there is the vilest enemy that's pitched against us here we can't imagine just how wicked uh, this uh, personal intelligent uh, devil is and that's what we see in scripture he, he, he's no pussycat this is a vile spirit who is completely opposite to God. He's completely opposite, diametrically opposed to all God is and does. God is love. 
This is pure hatred. God is light. This is darkness. Uh, so you, you take anything that God is, any attribute of God, this is the complete opposite here. God is the creator. Satan is the destroyer. He, he's a polyon. And we see this, don't we? Uh, it, it, right at this moment, we, 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 we look around the world, we, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ this morning. And we look at Nigeria, just reading Open Doors, um, that seeks to support persecuted Christians. Um, last year, that is 2021, in Nigeria, 5,898 Christians were killed. You know, don't hear that on the news. 5,898 followers of Jesus Christ were killed. Um, so, in some countries, the devil is the destroyer. He destroys, he physically destroys. Now, we, we know that's not just in Christians. If he could, the devil would destroy every human being. Every human being made in God's image. Look at our country here. See the number of lives destroyed by drink, drugs, sex. You know, and <laughs> the devil doesn't mind how he, as long as he can destroy body and soul, that's his aim, of course. So this is the destroyer. But especially he's pitched against the church. We see this so clearly in Revelation, don't we, where, where we're shown the, 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 uh, the curtains drawn aside and, and the devil, is, he's furious, his time is short and he's pitched against the church. His special focus is upon the church of Jesus Christ. So he wants to sift all believers, but especially in the context here, he's going to, to, to sift uh, Peter. Sifting, of course, um, at that time it was a two-stage process. Um, the first step would involve um, uh, tossing the wheat in the air uh, and the wind would carry away the chaff, all the unwanted bits. The wind would take away so you'd just be left with the, with the wheat. But the second stage would involve a, a, a sieve uh, and that would be used to separate what's valuable, really valuable, from what is, from what is not. Have you used a sieve at all? Any gardeners here? Um, when I was a kid... Um, um, we were given a brand new council house uh, just outside Bournemouth um, and my dad gave me the pleasure of helping him in the garden it was just a, it'd, be, it'd be in a field they put this a council estate in the middle of a field and, and so the, you know you just had to start from scratch and so and it was very stony so my dad I was put in charge of the sieve and so he would get the shovel and, and I would have to shake and the idea was to really shake so that you would just uh, get the stones out, get, you know, and so you'd be left with the, with the soil. But this sieve, and this is the picture here, that, that, uh, that Satan wants to, uh, to sift you. He wants to shake you. There's something violent here, that when the devil is given a, a hand to work, there's something violent. He shakes us, he wants to shake us, shake the life out of us. There's no pity here. Now, if, if the devil could, he would so shake you that you would lose your salvation. That would be his aim, wouldn't it? Um, if only everyone could end up in hell like him. Um, but we're safe in Jesus Christ, aren't we? We're, we're held by Jesus Christ. 
We're in his hand. No one can take us from his hand. No one can pluck us from Christ's hand, from the Father's hand. We, 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 are, we are safe, aren't we? But the next best thing is to so shake us that our testimony is ruined. It's, um, it, it's staggering the number of Christian leaders who have fallen, isn't it, in recent years. And um, I've just got back from, from Canada. We're visiting our daughter in Canada next, uh, uh, last, last week. And uh, I'm a bit jet-lagged. You might be able to recognize. <laughs> but, um, and I mean, she was just confiding in me and how local leaders had, uh, had fallen. And, uh, and it goes on to this whole subject of, of, of we, we began to think about just how many high-profile preachers, pastors, uh, had fallen through various ways and, and, and means. Um, and the devastation that, um, you, you won't know who I'm talking about, but one young man in, in the area where, where they are had fallen badly, a, a moral collapse, and uh, and the fallout from that, wife, children, father took his own life. I mean, the, the, the fallout, when, when a Christian, and of course the more high profile you are, the, the worse the fallout is. And what victory Satan has when a Christian falls? So, what care we must take. So, so, what, so what is the aim here? Well, we can see his aim is clear here in Peter's life. It's to so devastate him that he becomes a, an also-ran. Um, here is a man who, who, who has great potential. And if he should fall, if he should so ruin his testimony that, that uh, he won't lose his soul, but what use would he be in the kingdom? And so it is with us, brothers and sisters, that the, the devil will seek to, to steal our joy, the, our testimony, the assurance. What could be worse than, than just... You know, I, I, pr I pray for a number of these men of form, but one in particular, one man I pray for, um, he's lost everything. <laughs> because he's fallen, he lost his wife, his kids. I mean, I, I think they're, they're, they're still there. I think there's been healed up, but what does he do? <laughs> when your reputation is gone, um, well, I don't know how you're going to work this out. Obviously, it's a weight on my heart. These Christian leaders, and, you know, I, I, <laughs> we must take heed. No, no one is safe, folks. Do you realize that? No one is safe. And uh, the temptations were different. And well, how Satan, and, and the way that, that, that Satan tempted Peter... Well, it wouldn't work with us. His was self-confidence and pride. But the devil knows you. <laughs> the devil knows you. He knows how to tempt you. What to cause you to fall, to stumble. And so he, he, he's a robber, isn't he? The devil is a robber. He's a thief. And he wants to steal you of your joy. And there are some believers who, they're, they're still going today, but they've lost their joy, haven't they? Have you noticed that? You know, there's, there's no victory in their life. They just, they turn up for meetings, and, but there's something, there's a spark gone, isn't there? Do you know anyone like that? <laughs> the spark is gone. 
David, in one of the Psalms, it says that the light had gone from his eyes. Maybe that's you. And, and yeah, in our circles, we talk about the reformed. Let's talk about the reformed church now. That's, that's ours, isn't it? And they can be a real morose bunch, can't we? Talk about morose. Oh, it's a deep joy. But there's, 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 there's some... I, I go through Galatians at the moment in my own devotions here. And Paul says, what's happened to your joy? <laughs> Could that be said of you? What's, has the devil stolen it? Has the devil deprived you of your joy? What, what's gone wrong? And we pride ourselves in our Bible knowledge, in our theological grasp, and yet something's gone. Something's been stolen. I want to be the happiest saint living, don't you? The Lord Jesus Christ was the most joyful human being ever walked this earth. Though he was a man of sorrows, though he suffered, though he was acquainted with grief, and yet there was a joy in his life. And the Lord Jesus Christ here saying, Peter, Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you. I think it's um, a comfort here when we look that he... Uh, the devil is asking for permission. I think this is a tremendous uh, comfort, isn't it? Satan needed to ask the Lord's permission. Satan has asked to sift you. <laughs> Do you remember how um, when, when Satan steps out to, to bring Job down, um, first he had to approach God for permission. Of course, he goes out to systematically destroy him. That's his work, isn't it? And God gives him so much space, but he sets out to systematically destroy Job. But he was given boundaries that, of course, God would use for his own ends. But what we notice here, and I did um, imply it earlier, he knew where to hit, and, and he, he knew the weaknesses of, of Peter. He knew exactly that, that weak spot. And surely it was, it was painful. But let's move on because that's, that's pretty gloomy. That, and, uh, you know, we, we, we need to have these things in, in balance. Yeah, there's darkness. There are signs of pressure. And, um, and no one escapes. And yet there is that tremendous but in verse 32. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned, when you have converted to me, Strengthen your, your, your brethren. So praise God that though Satan knows our weaknesses, so does the Lord Jesus. <laughs> That's a great comfort, isn't it? He loves, for, he loves us, he cares for us, he prays for us. Lovely verse in, in Hebrews, isn't it? That we didn't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, and of course with without sin. Robert Murray Shane, I mentioned earlier, 
Um, he said this, um, if you've read his, his, his uh, remains and mem- memoirs, tremendous um, to read that. But he said this, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. Jesus Christ, dear saint, is praying for you. Can you believe that? Hard to understand, isn't it? Hard to really believe. I mean, you know, we, 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 know, we know the truth. Oh, yes, we know that. But he should actually know me, love me, care for me, pray for me. The Lord Jesus Christ, as our great high priest, is praying for us. The Lord is gracious, he is faithful, and he is praying. But I have prayed for you. These were a shaky bunch, weren't they? When you, when you look at the disciples here, here's Calvary drawing near. They're thinking, who'll be the greatest when he's gone? What a bunch. Would you like, the, would you like them? I mean, here's the Lord, you know, going to the cross, and he, and he knows that they're vying for position. And, uh, and yet, still, he loves them. And it um, notices every attempt to, to please him. In verse 28, he says, these are those who have continued with me in my trials. Notice that. He recognizes that. Shaky as they are, but you are those who have continued with me in my trials. Well, what tremendous love and, and grace. Uh, Warren Wiersbe, the Bible commentator, makes a lovely point. He says, these men stood with Jesus in his trials he will not forsake them in theirs. The Lord doesn't see us as a bunch of failures. I think we see ourselves as that, don't we, at times? We think, God, what a heap of rubbish. But the Lord doesn't see us like that. He sees us as precious saints. We are dearly loved children. We who are parents, I mean, we've had those stages when, 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 our kids, when they were small, they bring up uh, a painting. I've drawn this horse for you, Dad, Daddy. And you don't say, what an absolute load of rubbish. You know, can't you draw, can't you draw heads? Can't you, can't you, can't you draw a horse? But you say, well, that's wonderful, well, well done. You know, do you think our Heavenly Father is less kind than that? He notices your every effort to please him. We, we, we minimize it, don't we? We, we, we look at the stuff. We, we see the faults. We, we know what we're really like. But our kind Heavenly Father and our wonderful Savior, he notices every effort to please him. And it brings joy to his heart. So what we see here in, in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we, we, we need to also love and uphold those who are being sifted. This is... This is what the church is about, isn't it? This is why we have strength. We, we, we love each other. We uphold one another through the times. And, you know, thankfully we don't all go through tough times at the same time, do we? You know, uh, and, and there are times when we can draw alongside someone in their trial. Maybe this is your hour of trial now. And you need someone just to draw alongside. Or maybe you're able to draw alongside someone now. We need to be the comforters, don't we? 
and uh, flesh and blood. We, we thank you that God has given us a comforter, but we too need to comfort those in their, in their times of distress. Of course, the devil is always at work seeking to separate and divide us, isn't he? That's his great work in the church, to, to somehow mar that, that lovely unity that exists in the church. No, what other body can there be on earth than a group of men and women who belong to Jesus Christ, different backgrounds, ages, and yet there's a love for each other, and so we support one another. And, you know, we live in this divisive world, don't we? You see the, 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 the hatred and the... I mean, I, I don't know why I go on Twitter. Well, I do. I, I try and get the gospel out there, but some of the unkindnesses and... And, and these, oh, we know, well, what, what a cruel, what a cruel sort of uh, uh, culture we, we've, um, we've created that we put people on pedestals and then we love to knock them down. You know, this, this thing about, I don't want to bore you with this, but this whole thing about the, 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 the queue for the Queen and Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby. If you don't know who they are, no problem. But there are a couple of uh, presenters on TV and they've been accused of jumping the queue. And one minute, there, everyone loves them. Now they, we hate them. You know, we, we put them on pedestals, we knock them down. What horrible people we are. What a horrible nation we are. What cruelty. Uh, no forgiveness, is there? No grace. Let's not be like that. <laughs> Let, let's love one another from the heart, as Peter puts it as he would put it, as, a, as an older man. Um, Don Carson, um, the, 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 the pastor, theologian, um, he was, um, he'd written a book um, about his dad. Um, Don Carson's father uh, always battled with a sense of failure. Um, Don Carson's father was a pastor in Canada and uh, just a small church pastor. And it was called Memoirs of an Ordinary Pastor. So Don Carson writes this um, biography of his dad. And um, I, I saw him do a little cl a clip advertising it. And he was speaking tearfully. He was quite moved as he was speaking about his dad and how he battled with his sense of failure. He never felt he achieved much. And so he wrote this memoir just showing different qualities about his, his father who was almost crippled with a sense of failure. But his famous son could write this about him. The only people that Dad put down were those he put down on his prayer list. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? Now, wouldn't that be lovely if that could be said of us? The only person they put down were those he put down on the prayer list. Well, you know, what, what is it to be successful? I, I would say that's success, isn't it? To, to love people like that, to uphold people like that, I would say that's pretty much a successful ministry. Um, well, that's it. Here's, here's that uh, great warning then. You know, Simon, Siter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. So we know the story, don't we? Peter, he denied the Lord three times. He was restored and went on to be the great preacher at Pentecost and a leader in the church. 
So God gave him great grace and had great things in store for him. Um, it's quite poignant that as an older man, um, Peter, you know, when we read um, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, it's a different Peter, isn't it? Uh, a much older and wiser man. Now he's been humbled and uh, we get, hopefully we get uh, kinder and we get more loving as time goes by. And uh, Peter would write as an older saint, above all else, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Well, the Lord is praying for us. The Lord is with us. He's for us. And he's among us. And so let us um, uphold each other. These are dark days, aren't they? And how we need each other. Let's pray. Lord, we are just staggered at your great grace to us. We, we ought to sing about your grace, Lord, and, uh, and yet if we're honest, we're, we're slow to show it at times, Father. We pray something of our Saviour's grace might be in us and flow through us. We need each other, Lord. These are such dark, dangerous days. Lord, we pray you would keep us from falling. That's our prayer. We know our own hearts, Lord. We know we're capable of anything. So we pray that you would enable us to be kept from temptation and uh, to put on the full armour of God and then, Lord, help us to uphold each other in the battle, we pray, because we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's turn to number 203 in our books. Is it 203? Oh, 258, 258. Two hundred and fifty-eight before the throne of God above, I have a strong, a perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, who ever lives and pleads for me. Two fifty-eight.
Please be seated. Let's pray now as we draw around the, uh, the Lord's table. We're thankful, Lord, so thankful for demonstrating your love supremely in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We wonder, Lord, at uh, such Calvary love, such undeserved love for people like us. And uh, thank you for that great truth. One with himself, we cannot die. Our souls are purchased by his blood. So, Lord, deliver us again from any sense of formality. Lord, we've done this so many times. We've taken the bread and the wine. But we pray, Holy Spirit, that you might give us a fresh awareness, a fresh understanding, a fresh thankfulness, whatever it might be, Lord, that uh, we might realize just the love that brought our Savior from heaven to earth and the blood that was shed for our sins and the body that was broken, we give you thanks, Lord. May we, may we eat and drink with a broken hearts and yet thankful at such love to us. Here is Father, we pray in Jesus' name.